Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host, Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. All right, uh, another hopefully quick intro for us this week as we uh, move into previewing UAB, continuing our 2022 football opponent previews. Uh, we'll welcome on Evan Dudley from AL.com, who's uh, been our frequent guest and uh, pal on the podcast. But uh, just, uh, I think, one quick announcement before we get into that. Yeah, the announcement is I'm officially done. I'm not changing anything else. No one else is allowed to transfer or retire. Or unretire or enter the transfer portal and then come back out of it. Uh, You know, change names, change religions, whatever. Yeah. If you do it, just don't tell anyone for like another like three weeks. Let me have this. Um, Keep it under wraps. I say that. I say that because it happens every year that no matter what happens when the Conference USA season preview is ready to go, something drastic happens in late June. Uh, And that was Bill Clark retiring, which we'll talk to Evan about. Uh, kind of got everybody off guard and myself and the preview. So I had to go rewrite the UAB section. That has been rewritten. But at the time you're listening to this, the Conference USA season preview is out and available for purchase. Five pages on every Conference USA team, uh, jam-packed with you know everything from depth charts to analysis. And you'll hear from Evan. I talked with Evan. Folks on the ground, this isn't just my opinion on what I think about UAB. This is people who live and breathe and cover UAB kind of helping me out piecing this together. So it's good stuff. It's available now. If you have not subscribed on Patreon yet, uh, here's your chance. All of the Rice content for the Rice preview is on Patreon. So I just posted the tight ends one that went up earlier this week. It's a deep dive on the tight end position. We'll go through all the positions. We'll get schedules. We'll get uh, superlatives, all that. That's on Patreon. So if you want the Rice preview, subscribe on Patreon, first-time subscribers. I'll give you the Conference USA preview for free. It's that easy. Any, subscribe anytime in the summer, June or July, and get that. So, Conference USA preview on sale now at theroost.com slash shop. If you want to find all the Rice preview content, very easy, at theroost.com slash preview. Slash preview, slash shop. They're right there, Rice content, CUSA content. You're a subscriber, you're going to get all of it. So, jump on board now, patreon.com slash at theroost. I'm sure you all know you've been listening while where it's at, but please do. Uh, helps fund all the fun stuff like this, like podcasts, so you can listen to us talk about Komodo Dragons and Stranger Things, and we're going to have a fun interview with Evan. That's the important start. So that's what we got going, and uh, hopefully no other retirements or anything pressing for the next couple weeks, and then we'll get through previews, and then it'll be football time. So that's all we got right now. All right, and we are here now with Evan Dudley, uh, who is the beat reporter for UAB for AL.com. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. Anything going on in your neck of the woods in just a random week in June? Uh, well, it's a slightly less hotter than it was last week, but there are still bugs. All of them. The flying ones. The, the flying ones. The non-flying ones. <laughs> dragons. All of them, they're here, and it's hot. What's the status? I think last time you were on the podcast, we got a status report on the Komodo Dragon. Any uh, updates? No, nothing's changed <laughs> as of right now, but uh, there's a new man in charge, so uh, who knows? Maybe he can ruffle some feathers, or some scales in that case. Well, there we go. Well, this is why we have you on for the breaking, important breaking news, Komodo Dragons alike. Um, but I guess we won't bury the lead. I uh, I texted you as soon as some news broke, I guess, late last week at this point. It, COVID's gone and all my time still runs together. But at some point, uh, Bill Clark announced that he was retiring and was no longer be the head coach at UAB, which uh, kind of sent shockwaves throughout the conference for probably, I guess, since UAB has been reincarnate, uh, the steadiest program uh, that's been around. So what can you kind of tell us of the aftermath and... Uh, <laughs> How much this caught everybody off guard and kind of what's going on? What's the situation in Birmingham? Uh, I think it's going to be easy to say that it pretty much completely got everyone off guard. Uh, I myself didn't know it. Uh, no other reporters or anyone kind of really knew it. Uh, and speaking with Bill, uh, you know, it really came down to 11th hour decision. You know, he was kind of struggling. He knew he had to have surgery. 
uh, spinal fusion to uh, kind of correct this uh, back problem he's had for almost 40 years since he was in high school. Uh, you know, it finally came to it. And, uh, he knew that, uh, you know, rather than just, you know, having the surgery, waiting a week or two to see where he was, uh, the best idea was just to be step back, uh, recover for himself and, uh, you know, let this program grow on its own. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, being a high school coach and college coach in the state of Alabama, he's got 30 years in the education system. So that possibly played a little part in being able to retire instead of just uh, have a regular resignation to take time off. The retirement comes from, you know, being able to cash a check at this point. Is this like one of those like retired, retired, retired? This is not a visual medium or a retired or are, are we done with Bill Clark at, at, at UAB? Is he going to pop up when Auburn finally gets their act together in a year? Can they call Bill after he's retired? Like, is he is he Chris Peterson walking away or is this just we're taking a break? Uh, it's hard to say at this point uh, in my heart. I think it'll be more of a break. Uh, you know, you often hear Nick Saban talk about, it, you know, what will he do after he's, uh, you know, gone from coaching? And he says, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't know any other life than being with a football team. And that's the same with Bill Clark. Uh, you know, he grew up the son of a high school coach, uh, played for his father, uh, coached under his father. Uh, struck out on his own and has uh, spent his entire career in Alabama besides uh, one year as an assistant uh, in Georgia uh, for high schools uh, at the very early part of his career. Uh, but, you know, the, the, you know, it's just really kind of a shock because, you know, he had to have this done so quickly. Uh, and I think just, you know, the fact that uh, the program has been solid for so long, uh, you know, under his uh, care that, you know, he saw the opportunity to be able to kind of really take this. But I think, you know, within, you know, six months, which is the expected recovery time, uh, you know, he might start getting that itch back within a year or two. I would definitely say he will have the itch back to coach. Uh, you know, he might take a step into the broadcast booth. Uh, you never know, uh, you know, with uh, a lot of these teams going to the American, you know, that's a lot of ESPN broadcast. So bringing in a former conference USA coach who was very successful, uh, you know, can always be a good thing, but I think ultimately within a couple of years, he'll have that itch to uh, coach and, uh, you know, by that time, UAB might have their own head coach and whether he is successful or not, they bring Bill back or if, uh, you know, Bill takes another opportunity somewhere, uh, you know, that that is something we'll see later, uh, especially just, you know, it really depends on Bill himself and how he feels after this recovery. Uh, you know, if he's satisfied, you know, being a grandfather and, uh, you know, kind of being the uh, godfather of UAB football now, the, the man who really brought it to where it is today, uh, you know, that just has yet to be seen. And, and I think we'll see it, you know, sometime after Christmas, he'll probably kind of start, uh, you know, kind of let what his thoughts are. Yeah. I was just looking at like, he's, he's only 54. It is actually as of recording time, his 54th birthday today. So happy birthday, Bill, uh, slightly late when you're, when you're hearing this, because as <laughs> we all know, Bill Clark listens to the roots podcast. Um, Open invitation, Bill, if you yeah. ever want to stop by. Absolutely. It, it seems like the sort of thing where, um, you know, not to downplay the seriousness of this at all, because obviously back problems are something that uh, can 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 cause a lot of problems for people. But like, it seems like the sort of thing where if all goes well in his recovery, then, you know, the whole idea is to get back to, you know, being healthy and moving around again. And at which point, like, you know, how many coaches actually retire at that age and then just don't you know even like bob stoops is the closest example but even he has gone out and coached like you know at least one of the various spring football leagues that has popped up at this point so it's pretty rare to see guys just totally walk away from it if they are healthy enough to coach at this point yeah i think that's kind of really the big question is just how he feels after this surgery uh you know after he recovers, you know, is he still available to uh, uh, has the ability to do the physical things that he, uh, you know, has to do in order to coach? You know, he's a very animated coach. He's on the field during practice. He's he has to be there. And, you know, and that and that's what kind of led up to this was he was not able to stand. You know, they were having their summer camps and he could maybe stand 10, 15 minutes at a time out there. And, uh, you know, it was just something he knew that, you know, he couldn't you know, give his full physical being. I think that had a lot to do with it. Cause, uh, you know, as he, as he said, uh, you know, it was the L4 and L5 vertebrae uh, from a squatting incident when he was in high school. Uh, he had a dissectomy in the late nineties, which, uh, helped a little bit, but now it's just those two vertebrae are pinching on a nerve, uh, you know, running down his leg, uh, somewhat similar to the sciatica, but, you know, obviously a little bit more serious, 
but it's, uh, you know, I, I think that's just what led to him is that he can't bring his whole physical being into it. But, you know, within a year, uh, you know, that is something that he may have overcome and is ready to step in. And who knows, uh, maybe Birmingham Stallions head coach Bill Clark. Is that, are they the style? I, I got to admit, I, I got kind of into, um, oh, shoot, what was the, the AAF? Um, Hashtag for Joan, man. Birmingham yeah. Iron. Yeah. We, iron, we will never forget you, Birmingham Iron. <laughs> right. I love, hey, I love the iron. I, I, covered, I covered them, so, but the lead's going, so now I can be impartial. I love the iron. Hashtag for Joan. Yeah, there you go. I was I, the AAF. I was in. I've I've not kind of kept up on the USFL. Is this the Stallions? But yeah. on the Bill Clark topic, which of course we're talking about, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna peel behind the curtain. So, in the midst of Conference USA preview from the Roost drops this week. By the time you're recording, you are hearing after we record, it's gonna be live. You can go purchase it. Uh, giving you all the info there. But plug aside. Uh, I, I worked, Evan, with you, kind of we went through some notes and kind of you gave me the everything but the dragon kind of helped me cover the UAB section. And I put in the draft of the UAB section. I wrapped that up in the second week of June uh, and I kind of sent it out, making sure I got depth charts right and all of that. And then what I do for two weeks is I cross my fingers and I pray that nothing changes mm-hmm. in Conference USA. And then KD Davis decides to up and leave North Texas. And I'm just like, man, one of the best linebackers in the conference. I got to go rewrite stuff. This is crazy. And then the most decorated coach in the conference leaves. I'm just like ripping my hair out. So this is what I had before Bill Clark's retirement in the UAB section. I said, quote, as long as he's calling the shots, it's hard to write this team off in any capacity. Um. Maybe I jinxed it. He's not calling the shots. Um, should we, I'm not going to say right off UAB because that's, that's kind of intense, but we've never known a post rebirth UAB without Bill Clark. So how much of this can continue without him? I think that's the, the most interesting question. The most interesting storyline we'll see throughout this year is that, you know, Bill Clark is not calling the shots, although it is still technically, you know, the uh, uh, the blueprint of his program. You know, his coaching staff is there. They'll be running practices the same way, uh, you know, their game day, uh, you know, just the way they do things, uh, their game day itinerary, you know, those things will remain the same. Uh, but you know, I think what you'll see is a difference on the field, uh, primarily offensively uh you know obviously Bryant Vincent taking uh, the interim head coach position uh you know with Bill Clark as head coach you know decisions made on the field might reflect more on uh playing to your strengths with defense uh you know Bill Clark knows that uh with Bryant Vincent he might be able to open up a little bit more I know there might be some criticism laid at Vincent over the years but uh you know what I've seen these past few years is there's been new new wrinkles added time and time again and I think, uh, you know, with his, uh, you know, mindset being the head coach, those decisions uh, might become more offensive than defensive. Uh, so I think that's going to be very interesting. But uh, also on another note, uh, luckily for you, uh, Lang also returned to North Texas. So you don't have to edit it back out. You can run with your No, that's the worst is I edited it all out. And then he announces he's coming back. What percentage of portal players return to their current school? It's got to be less than five percent entering in June, right? But just period. How many come back? I think UAB staff say sorry. UAB had Trey come back. I know, uh, and and that was someone they wanted to keep was Trey Shrubshar. You know, I was was talking with Vincent a few times on the phone uh, during that time, and I know he really wanted to uh, keep him at that point. So, uh, you know, him, you know, hitting the portal, coming back, hitting the portal again, and finally coming back. Uh, you know, it was a real relief to them. But I think, you know, that along with Lang might be one of the few cases uh, of a guy hitting yeah. a portal and coming back. Uh, and Alabama uh, had Jalen Moody do it in, in, you know, like January-ish. Yeah. It happens, but not not a ton. It, it, the only guys that come back generally, and like with Shrop, like, we'll get to this, but who else are you going to throw the football to? Like, he, you, you need this guy on the team, Katie Davis at North Texas, you need this guy on the team. He's your best player on defense. Those are the kind of guys that 
if they do opt to leave or enter the portal, 75, 80, 90% of the time, it's because Ole Miss has already called and say, hey, would you like to come over and take a visit? Yeah, um, come to the, not come that to the that sim. happens. Come to the sim. Come to the sim. Uh, <laughs> we can't escape Lane Kiffin. No Never. one can escape Never. No, he he he's all around, and uh, I've got plenty of friends in Oxford, so I know I know they're loving it over there. Bless their hearts. The year, the year is twenty forty. Lane Kiffin is the head coach at Middle Tennessee after cycling back. <laughs> Cycles all the way back, gets the head coach at Alabama, and then uh has to cycle all the way back down through Conference USA after uh, he fails spectacularly. Lane Kiffin, head coach of the Cleveland Browns, for two years. Yes, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no way that one's not a midseason firing. Yeah, it's a midseason. <laughs> We're sorry, Lane. I'm sorry, Lane. I do love you, Lane. Guy. I, he's, I, I, love, I, love I enjoy you. talking I love you. with him, but he's 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 a different breed. I think that, that that's that's why he's great. You know, you you gotta have some different breeds out there these days. Yeah. Oh man, that's man. We haven't done an in-person conference USA media days, but I remember talking with him. What was 2018? He was. He's good for a soundbite. I'll oh, tell you yeah. that. Um, anyhow, p- post post our Lane Kiff, our planned Lane Kiffin segment. Um, you mentioned Shropshire. He's kind of he's now the guy. He's been part of a. I feel like at, at UAB past couple of years, especially in the passing game, uh, you've had some great NFL, literally NFL caliber tight ends, and then a host of guys that can go and run under a Tyler Johnson deep ball at some point. And that was kind of the passing offense, uh, at least kind of how I saw it. So what does the offense look like? You mentioned with Vincent calling, calling the shots might look a little bit different. Uh, is anybody else going to be able to help Shropshire out or is this, should we, I guess, side note, should we be preparing the Dwayne McBride Heisman campaign now? Uh, I think you could go either way. Uh, you know, I think Vincent's a smart guy. Uh, I think when you have a bell cow like McBride, you don't shy away from that. You're going to run that guy. You're going to base your offense around him. You have a strong offensive line that knows how to uh, push guys around in the running game. But I think with, uh, you know, with Trey Shopshire, I think he's definitely your, uh, you know, he's your deep threat. You know, he's got good speed. He can take the top off of defense. If he gets behind the safety, you know, it's over. All you got to do is just lay it out for him. Uh, but, you know, and with those two tight ends going, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for younger guys. But this is probably the more uh, probably the most talented group of receivers they had as a full, you know, as a full room, as a full uh, depth chart, uh, as they've had in the past few years. Uh, but I think with the offense, it'll start evolving even more. Uh, we've seen the I know last year, uh, Rajay Johnson Sanders kind of became their wide receiver screen guy. They started running more wide receiver screens. They for, uh, you know, getting the ball out, uh, you know, horizontally instead of vertically. Uh, and they started taking a little bit more middle shots. And I think we'll start seeing that where, where it will go away from a more boom and bust to a real, uh, you know, real, uh, you know, route tree type of uh, passing game to where, you know, there's actual routes being run. There's uh, options to be had. And, uh, you know, and they can actually drive down the field with a passing game instead of having to rely so much on their running game when so many teams will, you know, try to stack the box against a team with a Dwayne McBride. That's, uh, you know, that's obviously your first thought. But if they can start to developing a, uh, a middle passing game, that's going to make them very dangerous. And I guess part of developing that middle passing game, and I don't know what has changed since we chatted last time in the spring, uh, UAB now joins the ranks of many other Conference USA teams that are trying to figure out their quarterback situation. I think a lot of the offensive identity is, so let me rephrase that. I think a lot of the offensive identity is kind of kind of be core to what UAB is and UAB has done. You mentioned the coaching staff continuity and the new quarterback possibly kind of fits into that. How does who suits up under center kind of impact kind of what direction they might go? I think we're going to have a, a very close uh, quarterback competition this fall. Obviously, Dylan Hopkins is the incumbent. Uh, you know, he's shown that he can win, uh, you know, tough games. Uh, you know, he has the talent to do it. But you also got, you know, a former four-star in Baylor, uh, uh, Sonny, uh, and Jacob Zeno that came in. Uh, Zeno looked great in the spring, uh, especially the spring game. Uh, Dylan Hawkins has been out. He had surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. And uh, not only that, but uh, junior college guy, uh, Damon Stewart, he is actually a little bit impressive himself in the spring game. So it's a very 
deep QB room now. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of competition. So you're going to see, you know, really the top guy going to be playing. I think, you know, first thoughts heading in, I think Dylan Hopkins, you know, will start on day one. Uh, but, you know, going through the uh, season, we'll kind of see how much of a leash uh, he has. Uh, you know, he, he did well last year keeping his uh, turnovers down, interceptions down. And that's usually – uh, the case you need when you're a quarterback is, uh, you know, do you turn the ball over? You turn the ball over, that's that's a problem. Uh, you know, people, you know, talk game manager as a as a negative thing. No, the best quarterbacks are game managers. Tom Brady is a game manager. He controls the game. He manages it. That's not a bad word. That is a very good word. And uh, that's what UAB needs. They need a guy who's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to manage what they have on the field. You know, you have a great running game. You have uh, quality receivers. You just got to develop that middle passing game and have confidence. And, you know, whether it comes down to Zeno or Hopkins, uh, uh, the quarterback, uh, you know, talent is very, uh, you know, it's been raised the past uh, year, especially uh, with Zeno coming in. But, you know, we might see Zeno in some special packages as well, especially with Vincent, uh, you know, really taking control of this offense and being able to do with it what he will. Yeah, I didn't realize I'm on the UAB website. Jacob Zeno is listed as a redshirt junior. He feels like one of those guys has been around forever. Maybe he just played enough late season games at Baylor. Uh, he, he came in that one game where Baylor ended up not playing a quarterback because he got hurt or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Don't it's a, it, It's been a while. Uh, I remember when he played a little bit, but I'm trying to uh, think of some quite, of this. quite a journey. Yeah, to end up but in I Conference think, USA, and I think he even got a. I think he's got a an extra COVID year he was eligible for and uh, was able to get it maybe as well, or maybe they might try to put that in next year because uh, uh, they got a lot of guys who were able to get COVID waivers this year that are coming back. Some schools have started printing the uh, the years of eligibility uh, used on their roster pages. So, because a redshirt freshman could be a first, a second, or a third-year player at this point. We've kind of lost track with because you have right. the, the playing redshirt, you have the medical redshirt, you have the COVID redshirt. Yeah, guys <laughs> playing seven years. I've given up on what the PA And then they're, they're in school. Right, yeah. I but, think it will take uh, us a total of about four or five years to kind of balance out all the COVID waivers and, you know, get past that. And unless we have another pandemic and world altering disease. So, you know, we'll just see what happens if we even have football at that time. Who knows? <laughs> we'll get there. Maybe not. Hopefully not. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I had one last thought on, on the offense that I wanted to get to. Because uh, whenever I think of, of UAB and the UAB offense, especially how it's been under Clark, obviously it's been a lot of running the football. That's kind of been their bread and butter lean on the defense. You talked about that. But I don't really think, like, high-powered offense, but UAB led Conference USA in scoring last year, which, you know, when I'm kind of cobbling together the preview, I kind of double-check double, double check at that. I'm like, really? Really? Did they get there? Maybe it's down here in scoring, but it, but at some point, what Clark has done is it, it works. <laughs> so at some point, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So... Could we kind of see if all scenarios play out how they want to have kind of the same? Am I going to notice that Bill Clark's not gone and it's just going to be run, run, deep shot with some some middle layered in? Is that the only new wrinkle or do we got any other shifts that we could see to keep UAB? Because they really have what's worked is they've been efficient when they needed to be. Um, is that something that translates ingrained in the program? Or is that something that you think might be we could see waiver as kind of parts are moving around behind the scenes? I think uh, really you got to just look on the offensive side of the board. Uh, the defensive side, I think, will remain, you know, the standard that it is. Uh, David Reeves is still going to run that thing. Uh, you know, it's still the Bill Clark 3-4. Uh, however, you want to describe that as a 3-4, or a 3-3-5, a 4-2-5, a one, four, six, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways you can describe the Bill Clark three, four. Uh, he just runs at so many different uh, uh, formations and how he works that thing. But uh, I think the defense, you'll not really notice any much difference, but I think offensively, just those, uh, you know, some decisions, uh, whether you go for it on uh, short yardage situations, whether you pass or run on a certain situation, 
I think you'll see maybe some of those decisions, uh, you know, become not Bill Clark decisions, but maybe Bryant Vincent uh, decisions, uh, knowing that, uh, you know, what his offense is capable of being able to do and not so much relying on the defense, but, uh, you know, using the defense is just an extra part of your offense as the defense tries to use the offense as part of its defense uh, and vice versa. Uh, not to mention this defense is, you know, they're very hungry uh, for turnovers. Uh, they had a lot of turnovers last year, scored a lot of touchdowns defensively, a lot of knots. Uh, so, you know, that's also something that's probably helped them in scoring as well as their defense has uh, really started to score more, too, the last couple of years. So tell me about, about the defense that, that kind of makes you so confident. Because at some point, I just – I kind of – I don't even need to look at the roster. And I'm like, oh, it's UAB. Their defense is going to be, you know, top three or four in Conference USA because that's what they do. But there is a lot of turnover, especially in the front seven for, for this this unit. It kind of this going this year. I, I mean, Fish McWilliams is a guy who I feel like I feel like he's he's one of those guys that's been there forever, or at least at some point. I noticed his name was Fish on the roster, and I noticed, and so that's why I remember that he's been there. I don't. What is Fish McWilliams' real name? Is it Fish? It is. Know. Uh, it is Ardarius, I believe. Ardarius. Ardarius. That is his given Christian name. Okay, yes, Ardar- given Christian name. Ardarius. Yeah, Ard- Ardarius and Matt McWilliams, his younger brother, is uh. Dakarian McWilliams. Ardarius and Dakarian. Those are their Christian names, but we know them as Fish and Mac. Fish and Mac is a lot catchier. That's right. I was like, is that some like uh, Southern <laughs> delicacy combination, Fish and Mac? <laughs> the, big, the big Fish Mac. Now at McDonald's. Just go over a little bit. I feel like Louisiana has, has to have a Fish Mac somewhere. Um, there's something yeah. there in Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's any kind of food you can come up with in your brain. Someone's done something with it. Uh, my parents lived in New Orleans for a while. Uh, they know Samoa, uh, not to offend anyone, but Okunasis, uh, you know, very term of endearment for them. Uh, my, my dad knew a lot of those guys, Samoa Mardi Gras Indians too. Uh, he hung out with those dudes and he's, uh, told me about some stuff he's ate that I, I just, I don't even want to know how they did it. But, uh, uh, but going back to your question with defense, uh, yeah, uh, you know, circling back around, I knew we'd bring it back around. Uh, but with Fishing McWilliams, uh, you know, he's going to be the main guy on that front seven. Uh, like you said, there has been a lot of turnover, especially on the defensive line. You lost a, you know, a draft pick and a Jordan, uh, well, not Jordan Smith was last year. Alex Smith or Alex Wright this past season. Alex Wright. What a nice problem to have. We're losing too many draft picks. We're losing too many great edge rushers. Oh no. Uh, so that, that seems to be, a, you know, that is one of probably the really only issue with this uh, defense I see early on is just kind of developing that front seven. Uh, and maybe not so much front seven, but primarily that defensive line and their edge rushers with the guys they've lost. Now they've got some guys coming back that have uh, played some great uh, contributing roles these past couple of years, and uh, they're going to be expected to do a lot more. Uh, those linebackers, you've got some guys that have come in. Uh, you had uh, Bernard Ellis from uh, Georgia Southern, a lot of experience, all Sun Belt player. Uh, not to mention uh, Jackson Bratton from Alabama. Uh, he didn't play much at Alabama. I think he was redshirted. He might have got in for a few snaps, but a four-star out of Muscle Shoals. Uh, you know, he's going to fit right in there, come in behind Noah Wilder, kind of become that uh, tackling machine for those guys. So I think the linebacker, uh, you know, unit will be uh, – it'll, it'll be pretty well uh, stocked as far as the, you know, the middle linebacker spots are. The outside linebackers through defensive ends, that's going to be the problem that they're going to really need to develop some uh, – some of these guys who haven't played as much and uh you know they're gonna have to take hold of an opportunity that they have now uh you know with so many departures but you know you look at that middle linebacker you look at the secondary those areas are stacked with lots of experience and uh and guys who can make plays make turnovers uh and, you know really change the game around you know obviously you got a Grayson Cash who was you know arguably probably one of the better special teams players last year blocking punch returning uh uh, even had a 102-yard interception return against FAU that essentially turned that game around when FAU was trying to go in for uh, for the lead. So, uh, you know, the defense is, uh, you know, the defense is set. They're going to do what they do always. They're going to come after the quarterback. They're going to create chaos up around the line of scrimmage, uh, put you into bad situations, affect you uh, to where you're not going to be able to do what you want to do, or they're not going to make you feel comfortable doing what you normally do. Uh, but like I said, you know, the defensive line, defensive front area, uh, that's going to be the one question mark that they'll have to, uh, you know, really answer quickly. And, you know, I think they will be able to. Uh, they've got some good buys there. They've got some experience, but they just got to, you know, these guys who have played contributing roles really do have to step up. 
And maybe if I ask that, obviously the new faces that we didn't see last year, that's that's the question mark that that kind of jives with the rest of college football. But maybe if I ask this a different way, the, the UAB defense takes a step backwards next year. If. Uh, are you speaking this season or next season? I'm sorry. I the think one I'm that's happening in like three months. OK, OK, OK. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I got confused there for a moment. All right. This season. Uh, I don't see it really taking a step back, uh, maybe in a different way that they'll find success through their linebackers in secondary, maybe more so success in the passing game, creating turnovers that way. But uh, with that defensive front being some questions, uh, you might see teams try to attack them in the running game. Although UAB was actually quite successful last year at uh, you know defending the run that actually turned out to be one of their better uh, areas of expertise. But uh, that's something that they're going to have to really work on in the fall to make sure. Because, uh, you know, if these teams find success running the ball early, then, you know, that's going to open up avenues down the field. And that, you know, all that experience and talent you got in the secondary, as well as those linebackers, they're going to be there for not because you're going to have guys too glued on that line of scrimmage on a, you know, on running plays that they're going to let, you know, that passing game pass them by. So uh, that's the big question. Can they stop the run, get enough guys to, you know, really focus on that early part of the season? Because if they do, uh, or if they don't, then, you know, teams will take advantage of that and then they'll be able to take advantage of the rest of the defense. And then it the uh, it will be placed on the offense at that point to sort of outscore teams. UAB and shootouts would be fun. I don't know if we've seen too much. I'm trying to think. Like, it's happened a couple of times. I know that UAB theoretically is capable of scoring 35 points in theory. Yeah, We've we've seen UAB when it's uh when it's working perfectly where everything is on that you know they can score 35, 40, sometimes fifty points. Uh so it's just uh, you know, depending on if they everything kind of you know works in their favor, they execute correctly. And that's what it really comes down to, especially, you know, in a G five league, uh, you know, with guys who are not as talented as uh, some of these offensive players on, you know, power five in Alabama, Oklahoma. You know, some of these guys are in these very high-powered offenses is that you have to execute, and that's what it comes down to is just the execution. You say an offense coordinator is maybe not working. Well, maybe it's not his plays or his play calling. It's just the lack of execution, and that's what it really comes down to. But as we've seen, when UAB executes, they can score with about anyone. And uh, we've seen a few uh, shootouts uh, that they've had uh, the past few years, but there's not that many because they usually uh, kind of keep the other team from scoring, you know, very well. And then does does it help at all? I know that uh, UAB has played, and I, they do have LSU later on the year, but UAB has taken a couple of the, the body bag games. Every team in Conference USA has to. Was it, last year was Georgia. Am I getting my yes. – is that right? Uh, yes, open uh, up this year with the, uh, Ala, the, the ferocious Alabama A&M, who I believe – was that a week zero? That was a early season scare for UAB last year. Um, uh, well, I, I think that, you're uh, – it would have been two – I think two, two or three years, years ago. ago, two or three years ago, it was Alabama State though that they had oh, a scare. I apologize. Uh, no, there, no, it's right. It's right. Al- any Alabama? Well, yeah, you might need to apologize to them because that is one of the great uh, swack robberies. That's uh, uh, the greatest, the, the greatest classic, uh, the Magic City Classic Magic between City classic, Alabama yeah. State, and Alabama, A and M. But uh, uh, but no, it was Alabama State. But uh, they've last played a- a- Alabama A and M uh, for the return game when they first returned to the field. That was the first game they played was against A and M. Uh, unfortunately, A and M. I don't believe they have a Quill Glass coming back, who's a great quarterback for them. Uh, I believe their coach Maynard. Uh, I can't remember Maynard Connor. I believe is his name. I think he might have taken the job at Southern. I might be completely off on this. Uh, I might be thinking of someone else, but uh, this was also the guy who did the body double for Jamie Foxx in uh, any given Sunday was the former Alabama A&M head coach. Uh, <laughs> interesting fact of the day. This Love is it. good. Con- <laughs> but Connell anyhow, Mayer. Alabama A&M, Liberty, Georgia Southern, the, the schedule to start the year is, is probably not as uh, ferocious as it's been the past couple of years, maybe a little bit easier. Will that kind of give enough of a breather before they run into conference play, getting those those fresher guys, especially in front seven, we talked about up to speed, and then it'll just be full system scale. I, I think it will. I think the uh, non-conference schedule early on kind of really uh, is advantageous to, uh, to you know really taking care of that front seven. Uh, the you would look at the Liberty game; it's on the road, but 
they don't have Malik Willis anymore. So uh, that really turns that game into a kind of a really toss up. We really don't know what Liberty will look like offensively without Malik Willis. Uh, we saw what he was able to do against UAB last year, so that helps out. But you look at uh, you know the Georgia Southern Alabama and A&M games. Uh, those are going to be really good games for them to kind of really test their uh, that front seven out and uh, uh, see if they're able to you know really create a great run stopping defense. Uh, but I think that really sets them up for success heading into Conference USA play. And once they hit that, uh, you know, it's going to be a no holds bar battle this year with no divisions. Uh, you know, everyone just uh, kind of playing one another, uh, hoping for that last CUSA title. And then I did want to ask you, because it's interesting with the, the rework schedule, UAB and Rice open first game uh, of conference play now against each other. Uh, we haven't talked since Rice has somehow decided that the only Conference USA school they will beat in everything is now UAB. Maybe not anybody else in anything, but <laughs> that uh, that's this. Go ahead. This is not smack talking. Is legitimate question. Uh, I think, including us, uh, the the Rice game last year caught a lot of people across the country off guard in that game, obviously UIB is going to be prepared because they remember what happened last year, but kind of looking back to last year and that game, that was kind of one of the few instances where UAB just kind of looked mortal. Um, if that's the right word, it felt like they've run through, I mean, even the UTSA game, like blow for blow kind of did kind of, did you see if there is a weak point, on this team, on this this machine that's kind of churned through the conference, anything kind of stick out from that game, and then kind of what makes you more confident that they will have this uh, turned around when they head to Houston this coming year? Well, I think you look at that game, uh, especially with Ross coming out and really just hitting them in the mouth from very on. I think uh, they uh, they might have taken them for granted. Right? Somewhat, you look at Ross. Uh, you know, while they have improved in areas, uh, you know, Ross is still you know has not had a winning record. Uh, so and they've beaten them three or four years in a row. So I mean, it's something that they might have taken it for granted. Now, once Ross gets up, uh, UAB starts punching back. They had an opportunity to win the game uh, at the end. Obviously, holding call. Bill Clark explodes. I misword my question in post game and get yelled at by Bill. Totally okay. I'm sorry, Bill. Uh, but I think you know they learned a lot about themselves in that game. That you know even in conference say you cannot take a team like Ross or, you know, any other team that may not be, uh, you know, what you think is a, you know, competitive opponent for granted. You just cannot do that. But I think with their ability to actually come back and uh, kind of reassert themselves in that game before ultimately losing it, uh, giving themselves a chance, really show them that they, uh, you know, that they can overcome, you know, adversity, something like that, if they do, you know, find lack of execution or if they take for someone for granted in the future. Although I think, you know, this year with Vice, I don't think that will be the case as, uh, you know, obviously they'll have revenge on their minds after last year's game. Yeah, I know that that they uh, they don't talk about in the locker room. There's no such thing as revenge. It's just next game at time. But but we don't have to pretend that. No, we're, we're humans. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> one game at a time, you know, you know, this game like any other game. Vengeance, can- man. It's sweet. Uh, those are kind of the big things. What, what else? What else in the world of UAB did we miss? What should I? What should we have asked you that we haven't? Well, uh, like Ross, they are going to the American. Uh, that's an exciting time uh, for both universities. Everyone who's going to the American. Uh, operating budgets increase. Uh, more tools and nice things you can build. Uh, uh, obviously, you go. I think maybe the one thing with uh, going to the American is the loss of Conference USA baseball which has been a very uh, a very good uh, product the last few years, uh, even with Ross down, even though Ross was, you know, very historically a good team, uh, which that can, you know, return because they're in Texas and Texas has very good baseball players everywhere. Uh, so, I mean, that's one of the cool things, I guess, in the offseason. Uh, uh, other than that, there's not been a whole lot of new news. Uh, UAB built a new basketball facility that opened it up. Uh, Jelly Walker is coming back. Uh, for a final season. So that's very cool in the basketball scene. Uh, but as far as football, uh, the main news revolves around, uh, you know, Bill, Bill retiring and Vincent taking over to lead this program for a year. Which is interesting on the on the AAC front. So we're in the midst of of kind of talking with folks around Conference USA. And it kind of seems that for most programs, I mean, 
maybe Jeff Trailer and UTSA are the exception because he just signed a 10 billion year deal and he's going to be there till Jesus comes back. But everybody else is kind of at, it almost seems like an inflection point with their football programs, especially now with UAB, where you have an interim head coach and then 2023 it's official, you're going into the AAC. So UAB has kind of, I mean, gotten to the top of the mountain of Conference USA for, for the most part, the past couple of years, they've kind of figured it out. Uh, basketball too, things, things are kind of working. Uh, when they kind of go about and setting their their pecking order of where they fit in the food chain of the new AAC, how much do you think that 2022 matters for that? Has, has UAB built up enough cachet where it's just like, oh, they were dead and now they're alive and now they're great and they're going to be right in the thick of it? Or is there enough kind of change going on that, if this is this kind of a year where things don't go great, there's some more questions of like, okay, well, now we trade out instead of UTEP, we have to play Memphis. And, and you know, instead of this, you know, the, the level of competition kind of bumping up a little bit, uh, are, are there concerns there? Or, or like how much how much is putting being put on 2022 to be great so that UAB can really become, you know, the, the next Houston or the next UCF or the person that rules that next level? I think that would be a uh, a, a pretty uh, a big thing for them to uh, look at if Bill Clark was still the head coach this year. Uh, with Bryant Vincent being the interim head coach, I think there's a little bit of leeway there that if things don't go well this year, you're not exactly uh, uh, in dire straits heading into the American uh, on a football level. Uh, obviously, you look at their facilities, uh, their you know first class uh, quality facilities, their training facility, the football operations complex, protective stadium. Uh, uh, so, I mean, they're built for success in the American. What it will come down to is, you know, what happens with Vincent, you know, say Vincent goes undefeated or has one loss to LSU, uh, you know, does he get that full-time job? If not, uh, you know, going into the American with your operating budget being expanded as well uh, and UAB being an attractive uh, job now, you know, with their facilities, you know, it is an attractive job for a coach to come to, you know, instead of going to an old dentist office and a, uh, practice field that was unlevel with a track running around it. You have quality uh, facilities to work with. So it's an attractive job at this point. You know, I think that's always coming to question who would succeed Bill Clark if he ever did let, leave. And I think going to the American actually uh, gives them an advantage in hiring a new coach if uh, Vincent isn't named the uh, full-time successor, you know, you know, provided he has success this, uh, this coming season. But I think uh, you know, if he doesn't, you know, just with the operating budget expanded, they can afford to reach out and uh, really pull a quality name. You know, obviously, you're not going to get a, a power five head coach, maybe one who's, uh, you know, left or, you know, was fired or something like that from a power five. You know, you look at Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, what he's been able to do to kind of rehab his image and rehab his coaching resume. Uh, but you can also look at power five coordinators and you can take, you know, you can possibly get a hot shot coordinator come to UAB because of the facilities and the uh, budget you have to actually pay this guy. I think Bill was around one and a half million uh, going into this year. So, I mean, you have the possibility of paying your coach one and a half, two million a year on a, you know, G5 level, which is a uh, pretty good money. Yeah, we'll take it. And, 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 and it kind of almost, I think Bill Clark lulled me to sleep because there was a period of like two or three, well, probably about two solid years where it was a foregone conclusion that this guy is gone. Like he's, he had so much success. He's not going to be here long term. We'll go find somebody else and plug and play. And then he didn't leave. And then at that point, I just kind of built into my head. I'm like, okay, he's he is now back to Middle City. Rick Stockstill. He's going to be at UAB for 20 years, and he's just going to be great. He's going to ruin everybody else's lives in the conference because they can't beat him, etc. Maybe that didn't happen in Middle Tennessee, but you know, the Brian Harson Boise, the G5 lifer that just sticks there. And is a craw in everybody else's <laughs> uh, saddle. What is the craw in? That's a southern phrase. <laughs> yeah, the craw. Stick in your craw. Stick it. You stick it in your craw. There you go. Brian, but when Brian he didn't Harson go, is the hilarious comparison given where it's where given what's happening in his life right now. <laughs> but no, uh, that's a different podcast. <laughs> yes, that's the the NSFW podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I actually use the abbreviation. I'm sorry, because it's the same syllables as the actual word. I, I apologize. Not safe yeah. for work. Same number of syllables. <laughs> I apologize. 
I'm huh. ashamed of myself for using it. Learn something new every day. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we will get you out of here, but before we do, you got to play the lightning round. Uh, is a requirement of all off-season guests. So I have a couple think, questions. Why do you think I agreed to come on? Oh, this, <laughs> this is now... This, yeah, I've been looking forward to it. Light, next time, we're just going to amp it up. We'll make it a full 20 minutes, as many questions as you can yeah, get through. Yeah, nonstop. I like answering questions. They're fun. <laughs> Who is going to make the fourth half sack assisted sack in the third game of the year. Mm. Jalen Malaya from former Indiana. There we go. That's not on the, the, the show sheet yet, but uh, we'll put it in there for you. Um, we'll go from the top. This will be good. All right. Easy off the top. Who leads the team in touchdowns at UAB this year? Dwayne McGrod. There you go. Easy. Uh, a little bit harder. Who leads the team in sacks? Ooh, that might be a that's going to be a tough one, but I'm going to go with Kyle Harrell. All right, and then who's not a pre a preseason All Conference pick, but he probably should be. Uh, Mac McWilliams. I'm not sure if he is a preseason because uh, he missed a lot of last year, but he's definitely a guy who has uh really performed well. He uh played four games as a true freshman. Uh, got a starting job last year before getting injured, and then uh. Had to play the season and recovered the uh, game ceiling fumble against BYU. There you go. All right. On the other side, younger guy, newer guy, rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Uh, hmm. That is a tough one. Uh, I might have to go with ooh, either Dallas Payne or – uh, Brody Dalton, uh, two tight ends. Uh, they haven't played on the field yet, but those are two young guys uh, who could possibly work their way into doing something special for these guys, especially with that tight end position. Say, so is this a process of whoever is tight end in this offense will have lots of pass catching responsibilities? I would imagine so. Uh, if you're not blocking, then you will definitely be catching passes uh, like Garrett Prince. And if you can run like a gazelle, as Garrett Prince did, then you're definitely catching passes for UAB. Yeah, and then you lose somebody else to the league at tight end. Both of them. Didn't they both sign on as uh I, I know I know uh uh I know uh I know Garrett signed with Jacksonville. I'm not sure if Hayden signed on with anyone or if he he might have already went into coaching, but I know Hayden's a guy you would want in maybe just for have him on your special teams and have him in your locker room. Uh, I guess the one knock on him was he played sixty three straight games in college would be the one knock on him. He played a lot in college, so his body's <laughs> might be worn down a little bit. I mean, he played in every single game UAB played since the return, uh, since he was a true freshman, uh, 63 straight games. So, I mean, not starting, but he played them all. So uh, that might have been his one knock in the NFL, but uh, uh, he's he's a locker room presence, and uh, I know they'll miss him. Hey, and I, I think I got this this note from you. Uh, didn't they promote a, a TD Marshall is now on the, the coaching staff, a grad assistant, is that right? <laughs> He was a grad assistant, but then he took a uh, job as the uh, cornerbacks uh, coach and recruiting coordinator for Moody High School under uh, head coach Jake Gaines, who was a UAB linebacker in 2014 and transferred to Georgia to finish out his career uh, after the program was shut down. There you go. UAB connections. All right. Uh, last couple. Uh, UAB finishing Conference USA. The top, close to the top, middle or bottom? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the top, uh, until they prove me wrong, which they kind of did last year, but, uh, that was pretty much, pretty much an epic, uh, uh, grudge match between them and UTSA, but, uh, I'm going to have to go with UAB again. Uh, I got a feeling about Bryant Vincent. I know he's, uh, you know, I like him. He's a good guy, but I also know what he's capable of. And I think, uh, with this opportunity, he's going to, he's going to excel with it. I think he's, uh, you know, he's ready for this opportunity. And I think he will excel. Remember when it was like slightly unpopular last summer to pick UAB to win the conference? <laughs> I think that everyone just got tired. Everyone was just I tired. I picked UAB last year. I haven't gone through and sifted through my ballot of what it's going to be this year. But even without Bill Clark, it's going to be really hard not to put UAB at the top. I think I might have actually went with UTSA last year just to mix it up because I usually go with UAB every year. I was like, well, 
if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be UTSA this year. Let's go with them. I think I had to be UAB there. WKU. Or no, did I did I have Western winning? I think I was the I think I was the only one who had Western winning the East. I forget. I'm on the Bailey Zappy train. I'm still on the Bailey Zappy train. Yeah, Patriots I, I, stardom. Yeah, I think I'm. <laughs> no, no. No, Mac Mac is there, man. This is well, I say I'm talking <laughs> Bailey ain't taking Mac's yeah. job. Damian yeah, I, I might be on the start Bailey's Abbey train somewhere else, but not over Mac. No. Damian Harris's son will not be benched. <laughs> I love that they ended up in the same place. I do too. It is it warms my cold dead heart. <laughs> All right. Uh you kind of the next one, uh, your pick to win. So, USA, you gave us that. It's UAB. So, uh, you can go any direction with this last one as you want, but who's going to be the head coach at UAB in 2023? Hmm. I'm going to say Bryant Vincent. As of right now, I'm going to say Bryant Vincent. Now, midway through the season, you might ask me again, and I might have a new answer, but as of right now, I will say Bryant Vincent. I think he, uh, the team is well prepared. They have uh, continuity on the staff, and I believe if he is successful this season, then he will have an opportunity to interview and uh, uh, be granted, you know, a full time position. That's really interesting that you say that because, and this is a little bit different because most interim head coaches are taking over in October and say, just hey, land the plane, make sure everybody doesn't crash, and we make it to the finish line. It's never really a concept of, okay instill anything that you want on this team it's just get to the end line so obviously this is different now he'll get all of fall camp to kind of run up but uh, i'm interested you say that because you know it's got to be like what maybe 10 percent of interim head coaches get that interim tag remove and become the head time guy do you kind of because vincent's been here do you, the relationship you have with him do you kind of view this as him being in a different bucket where I'm not gonna say that he, he wouldn't have a legitimate chance as a normal interim, but but most don't. So, do you think he has a better chance than maybe Joe interim at, at getting this job, like in actuality? <laughs> uh, I believe so. I mean, just with having a full fall camp, a full season, you're not coming, you're not, you know, giving the interim tag middle of the season. He has a full season job interview uh, to perform. Uh, and if he is successful at it, uh, his decisions on the field work well, decisions off the field, uh, you know, how he keeps this program together over the course of the year is if it is successful, even if, uh, you know, they run into adversity, how does he handle that? How does this team handle that? We'll speak a lot to how he can handle it. You know, obviously, like I mentioned before, he has head coaching experience on the high school level, but, uh, you know, he's been in college football for almost a decade now. So, you know, you know, is this his opportunity? Uh, we'll see. I, I believe he can be successful at it. Uh, and I think because of the special circumstance of him having a full fall camp, a full season to to be the interim head coach, that this is a full job interview. Uh, and if he, you know, doesn't pass this interview, then they will begin a national coaching search at the end of the season. I guess we'll find out. We'll get you back on in a, a couple of months, and we will see if UAB has won the, the conference for the I guess not the umpteenth year in a row, and they can't win the West uh, for the umpteenth year in a row, I suppose. But what happened with UAB, the the Chronicles? You can join the rest of us. It's somewhat uncertainty. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, also this uh, fall, I'll be uh, I'll be sitting down with Bill a few times, and I'll hopefully get the starting uh, works on possibly a book here in the next few years. Be working on a book uh, about the uh, the. The rise or the fall and rise of UAB football. So uh, we'll see how that kind of works out. And hopefully, uh, you know, within the, uh, you know, next six months to a year, I might be able to actually officially announce something. But uh, it's just uh, something tossed around a little bit right now and something I'll kind of be working on through this fall. Wait, we breaking news on the Roost podcast? Somewhat breaking news, I guess. That, uh, I do intend to write a book about the uh, UAB return. So, uh, yeah, I guess you can call that breaking news. Uh uh, we'll have an official uh, announcement, you know, hopefully within a year that, uh, you know, there is a book on its way. But uh, I do intend to write one, uh, you know, hopefully within the next couple of years. Well, this is crazy. I was going to ask you what else we need to be aware of, but but that's great because, yeah, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. And it's fun because, like, I feel like maybe because that it was it was for people not in the UAB, you know, universe, UAB was was kind of 
and it not really in the thought and then they disappeared and then they were back and they were good. So it just kind of like kept going. But as you know, digging into everything that happens when a program stops and comes back, you have some content there for a yeah. book. Yes. And uh, we got also uh, a lot of my, uh, a lot of my colleagues, uh, my editor was uh, one of the lead reporters during a lot of that was going on. John Talty, uh, who's currently going to be writing a book with uh, Paul Feinbaum about uh, Jimbo's Sa Jimbo Saban feud. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, he he was one of the he was one of the lead reporters uh, during that kind of time. So obviously, I got a lot of colleagues who were there who uh, you know obviously will be able to help me really uh, flush out a lot of the story as well as you know I got a lot of reporting from them. Uh, Going to be a lot of acknowledgments. Uh, in the book, obviously. So uh, we'll we'll see the what Komodo happens. Komodo dragon. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, uh, uh, that's probably that's probably what I have to put on the on one of the pictures on the sleeve is a picture of a Komodo or something like that. Or uh, just or, have like the uh, the forward by you know the because there's one of the didn't we, Birmingham Zoo have one right? Yes, uh, Matt Matt like the Komodo did paw prints. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, Matt the Komodo passed away about a year and a half ago, I believe. Oh. Uh, he was scheduled to go to Florida. He was going to, he was going to be retired and go to Florida to a uh, quality mating program, uh, but unfortunately, he was not able to make it. Uh, but Birmingham should have a new Komodo. Uh, hopefully, soon they'll bring another one in. But uh, yes, uh, pour one out for Matt tonight uh, if you're listening. Because uh, <laughs> Matt did pass away about a year and a half ago. But uh, uh, good guy. I met him. Uh, had his little scales. It was a uh, opening experience. I just don't have no photos because they would not allow me. Yeah. <laughs> On a somber note, so the book, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get this book. I'm, I'm excited, um, genuinely. I think it's, I think it's great. Also, in the meantime, when you have your free time and you're not writing this book, uh, what else? Uh, Al.com, UAB, in general, everything, anything else? Uh, Al.com, uh, yeah, UAB, uh, Ob1 series was pretty awesome. Uh, Ooh, <laughs> I apologize, I have not watched Ob yet. But it's you haven't good. seen Top Gun, so I have, I have not. So we don't we don't have to walk. Uh, although I will be seeing Top Gun, uh, you know, as a as a child born in '83, I am well versed in the original Top Gun and my best friend. That is his absolute favorite movie. Uh, and I mean, he called me after he walked out of the IMAX uh, watching the Maverick. That he was just like, dude, 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 go, 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 go. I thought now. you were going to say your best friend was Tom Cruise for a second. I'm like, that'd be handy. You know, look, Tom. Maybe a little bit out there, but Tom's <laughs> is still one of our last great action stars, and he does great work. So I can't hate him for that. He may be a little crazy, but he gives me great action movies. And he's Maverick, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And Goose. And we'll get there. Yeah. All right. Also, well, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I guess I guess the only other thing besides all that was uh, Stranger Things, the, the the season four finale oh, yeah. this Friday. Yeah, like. Uh... Oh yeah, it is Friday. I am totally. I, so I kind of quit after season one, and then I never picked it back up again. Am I, I missing it, something? I think it's one of the best written uh, shows ever. I mean, it's just a great, and it's a love letter to the '80s, is what it is. It's, it's you, very good. It's like I, I wouldn't say any of the other seasons quite capture that same magic that season one had, uh, and as much as that, that's probably was from the novelty of it when it came out, as much as anything. Yeah. Um, but still, I like, I, I think it's worth watching. Yeah. Um, season, season four it's, is it's up on a much more, they raised East season four to an epic scale. Uh, I mean, it's still got that kind of, uh, nostalgic eighties feel, but they really raised the epicness of season four, which I'm, I'm really yeah. down with. I love epicness. Uh, yeah, but really, I think it's, I think it's the best season since the first one. one yeah. Not that I don't hate, I don't hate the other seasons. I love them. I love those crazy kids. But, uh, you know, as a kid born in, you know, 1983, I love it. It's the nostalgia. It's a complete love letter to the eighties. Uh, yeah, I might play a little D and D too. Hey man, I play D and D too. <laughs> it's on my list. Okay. I was I'll editor of the school newspaper. I play D and D too. For, for y'all wondering, that's from Airheads, a uh, small comedy about a, uh, <laughs> a uh, once forgotten band called the Lone Rangers. Uh, if you're too young to know, go pick up Airheads. It is hilarious. 
Uh, and now we have to wrap up before we fall down the D&D rabbit hole for me. So, uh, <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. That will go on for a long time. All right. We'll be discussing so, class and artifacts and all that good stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, it's always good to have you on the pod, Evan. Uh, thanks to everybody uh, who listened uh, for sticking with us. Uh, we will continue our uh, opponent previews next week. And uh, Rex, fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.